God, dig that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, repeat after me. Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. <laughs> yeah. G'day, Sab. Well, hello there, Jamie. How are you, my friend? Mm, I'm doing well. I didn't get blown away in the wind, so oh. I survived. God, we're kind of in the season of storms, aren't we? And uh, Western Australia, well, the southwest of Western Australia got hammered. You know what the most tragic thing was for me? That. We got hail and it wiped out all my beans. Oh, no. See, a lot of people might have been in the same boat because we've been telling people, get those beans in. (laughs) It's funny because the peas survived really well. So... Beans are obviously a weaker legume. Yeah. Very disappointing, Jamie. I was well, looking forward to a fine crop. So what are you going to do? Give them eat, another whirl? I'll eat peas instead, I think. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll plant, I'll plant more. I'll put more bean seeds in. Nice. But, you know, three weeks' worth of growth lost, Jamie. That's it. But, you know, what is three weeks in times like this? What is time, Sabrina? Just... Well, when you when you're my age, uh, pretty important, <laughs> pretty pretty bloody important, Jamie. I tell you, I'm bu- I only buy advanced trees now. Uh, I never get them as seedling stock. <laughs> I want to see them flower before I fall off my perch. Oh, that is very <laughs> funny. That is very funny. I, I reckon you're okay, Sav. You'll probably be around longer than I will. I reckon. Um, uh, speaking of losing things, I nearly lost an olive tree. Oh, really? Yeah, so I've got yeah, I've got a couple of olive trees that are in pretty big pots, and yeah. one of them I keep around the side of the house uh, where the decking kind of starts. And I thought, oh, she'll be all right there. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it just started to create a bit of a wind tunnel down the side there. Oh. And I looked oh. out the window, and I see this olive tree almost horizontal, out in a <laughs> massive pot. So I had to go out there and use all my use all my strength and kind of roll them into the protected area. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that is a trap with pots. So when you look at, when you look at the the engineering of big plants in a pot, so even if you've got a pot that's like 100 litres, if you've got a tree that has a canopy top on it and you look at wind velocity hitting the top of that canopy to the amount of weight and area that the pot and the root system are in, it's highly likely that this is just going to be blown over. Well, I thought about that later, exactly that point. There's too much going on up top and not enough down below with That's the olive exactly tree. Right. Yeah, so mm. the wind was catching the top, but the, the root system's not not large enough to kind of sustain that. So that's why it ended up going sideways. But I saved it. I got well it back done. in there, put a little bit more soil around, gave it a little bit of love. So wow. she's all good. Well, that's were... why... Sorry. That's why you see in cities where they they have big planter boxes and trees in planter boxes, they actually bolt them down with these huge... Like the, the bolts are about... Um, 60 centimetres long, and they they drill them into the ground. That's crazy. You, I, you could I, do that. No, I don't think so. I did see, um, <laughs> when did the storm hit? It, it hit on whether it was that Monday or that Tuesday in Perth anyway, 
And I did see that morning here in the city of Bayswater, where I live, which I'm a big fan of, they were planting a whole bunch of new little trees in this open space. (laughs) I I was at the traffic lights and I I thought these blokes blokes are clearly contractors and they're getting themselves an extra day of work because they're going to plant them and they're going to be halfway down Morley Drive by the end of this. I know. So the storm hit on on Monday night and I... At, at about three o'clock in the morning, there was a lot of loud noise on my roof as I could hear the jacaranda tree being ripped to shreds oh, and thrown all over the roof. And I, But it was 3 a.m., a little bit windy. I think the winds were like 120k an hour. So I lay in bed thinking, well, I'm certainly not going to climb up on the roof uh, and I'll leave it till the morning. I'll make myself a cup of tea and just go and have a little wander opened the back door and couldn't actually get down the front steps because <laughs> the jacaranda tree had been flung far and wide. Yeah, there you go. What about that big one at the back? You know, the neighbour's pool might have had a couple of leaves in it, Sab. I was terrified. I was terrified because I've got this massive lemon-scented gum, which is renowned. It is beautiful. Yeah. It's glorious, but I panic every, <laughs> every storm because it would take out actually two houses i reckon but that's why i have an arborist come every single year and check the integrity of the tree really okay that's yeah you have to do that with big trees they have to be managed that's interesting so um a lot of people might not do that you know you see you got a big tree in the yard and you just kind of leave it to let it do its own thing at what point Mm. do you go yeah i might need to get someone an arborist a professional to come and check this every year or so well, it depends on the tree, but certainly many gum trees, in particular the lemon-scented gum, are renowned for being, they call it self-pruning because um, you don't actually need to get up there and saw a limb off yourself. It'll just <laughs> drop it for you. Uh, so those trees, you really need to get an arborist out every two years because if the limbs are really heavy, if there's too much leaf area on one limb and it drags it down, that's susceptible to being snapped off. But the other thing, Jamie, that people do after a big storm, when they look at their tree and it's all sort of ripped to shreds, they think, I can get up there with my bow saw. Worse still, with my chainsaw, and I can sort that out myself. Yeah, not a great idea, is it? I mean, it might actually be worth talking about this a little bit today, I reckon, kind of storms and what you should do. Apologies about that. That's my coffee maker just in the background there. Oh, with a mind of its own. Thank I hope you your coffee, coffee hope your coffee tastes better than the tea that my daughter's made for me. Not great uh, at making a tea, is she? <laughs> I don't know what she does. I don't know how you can go wrong with a tea bag, water and a bit of milk, but she does on a regular basis, Jamie. Like that. I think <laughs> tea's all about patience, right? So I reckon you can tell how it patient is. someone is by how their tea tastes. <laughs> So if it tastes watery, <laughs> no patience. Well, the other thing is she never drinks tea, so she doesn't give her rats. And I don't, I don't drink coffee, so she only gets instant coffee at my place. So I think it's just payback, really. You need to put it in a, a kind of way that she understands. So if you compare your tea to maybe a gin with just half a shot, then she'll start <laughs> to get the picture and she'll go, I wouldn't drink that. Two shot minimum for Jess. <laughs> actually a really good methodology. I like that, Jamie. Mm, you should yeah, be a university lecturer. 
Well, I actually have uh, given a few lectures in my time, Sab, uh, one or two. Not on the art of tea making or uh, gin to tonic ratio, but... Uh, no, I think you should, Jamie. I think, yeah, I think you should specialise in this field. See, it's funny you say that because last time I gave a lecture at uni, it was at my old, my old broadcasting school, and yeah. I go there every year probably for the last 10 years and give a lecture on radio and making packages and podcasting and stuff like that. Last year, I brought a carton of beer with me for the kids afterwards, <laughs> which I thought was a nice move, like cool lecturer. They yeah. didn't ask me back this year. Oh, Jamie. You Maybe you should have taken wine. <laughs> no, no, but you would have been using that anyway as an example of marketing, I'm Correct. sure, um, yes. how you could use marketing in a radio sort of scenario. Something like that. Learn all those tricks from the ABC. No, I'm joking. Um, anyway, we digress, Sab. So, oh, yeah, storms. So storms. So you, you mentioned that example of, um, you know, people seeing the damage and getting up there with a saw yeah. and hopefully a chainsaw. But, yeah, what, what, what should you do um, the, okay. the day after? The first thing you need to do is check and make sure you've got ambulance cover. <laughs> very vitally important because I'm telling you now, Jamie. Nine out of ten people are going to climb up that tree, and they're going to, they're going to do a little bit of arbor work themselves, which is okay on a small tree. So the big thing is, um, if anything's been ripped and there's a dirty, great big wound in the tree, you need to cut that off so it's a clean cut. Hopefully not with a chainsaw. Rarely do you need a chainsaw. If you need a chainsaw, get an arborist in. But having a clean cut is vitally important. And back in the old, back in the olden days, um, people used to put bitumen paint on a wound or a thing called steriprune. We now know that that is the wrong thing to do. Because what happens when a tree is cut or damaged by storm, it sets off a whole series of processes internally to actually repair that wound. So when we put bitumen on or acrylic paint or steriprune or whatever, we're actually preventing that healing process. So don't do that. But right. do make a clean cut. What can happen if you kind of leave those wounds? Can they be fatal? Uh, well, if a tree is split down the duck's guts in the middle, probably. But even where you've got a V fork um, and it sort of splits a bit, sometimes you can recover it by drilling dirty great big bolts through the entire tree, screwing them together uh, so it holds it tight and the tree will callous over that eventually. But you've probably got a 50-50 chance of losing it. That's interesting because I drove. I was driving somewhere the other week and I saw a massive tree with a run of bolts all up it. Yeah. And I thought, what's that about? Is that just to help someone climb it? I had no idea. But it, and, and it had a bit of a split down it. So that must have been to try and fix her up. Yeah, that to try and hold it together. Look, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, the other thing that happens is you'll get a, a limb that's sort of cracked and the weight of the leaves is pulling it right down. You have to prune the tree. 
So if half of the tree is badly affected, then you need to look, step back, look at the tree and look at the balance of the tree. So you can't have all growth on one side because you just, that's just going to be dangerous in the long term. So on the side that's good, you'll have to prune off minimum a third, probably 50% of it, so that you have this equal balance. So what happens first is the tree goes, oh, I can feel, I can feel a breeze where I never felt it before. Um, and the wound is open to pest and, and disease. So first of all, it starts making, it sends a hormone to the tree that starts making the wood that will callus over that wound. Then the tree sends out a signal to close off that wound so it's not open to infection. So they're pretty... You know, it only takes a couple of years for a callus to form over a wound. Um, so you're better off just just doing the, the straight cut and then leaving the tree to its own devices. The other thing that happens, of course, is stuff gets pulled out of the soil. So I remember seeing a massive conifer laying across the road and the entire thing was was twisted and ripped out of the ground. So the only thing you can do there is bring in a chainsaw because you, it's never going to be replanted. But if you've got a tree that's half out of the ground, then again, you have to prune it. You dig a little trench. You pretend that you're in the song. So you dig a little trench around the, around the lee side so that when you anchor it back up, and you use a pulley system to do that, uh, it's got somewhere to sink into the soil. Don't do it all at once because I've done that, and I can tell you from experience you snap the tree in half, Jamie. Right. <laughs> That's a surprise. <laughs> it's a bit like patience of making a cup of tea properly. There you go. We've gone full circle. Okay, so <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a time to, if you see something, don't get too gung-ho and jump up the tree and, you know, try and get too stuck in take a step yeah. back, kind of assess the balance of it, see how significant some of that damage is. If you need to get yeah. someone in, get someone in, but, um, you know, do those few things and then, you know, let the tree take care of itself. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, you need to, well, the, I reckon drones would come in handy for this sort of thing because you could mm. send a drone up to the top of your tree and see how it's all looking. Wow, I wonder if people are doing that. They probably are. Yeah, it's uh, there's many uses for drones. I would think I don't mm. have one. Is, you can I, fish with them. You seen uh, drone fishing? No. Yeah, and they take a drone out, and you can take it, you know, three hundred meters offshore or whatever, and drop a line from it, and you can catch no. fish with it. Yeah. But wouldn't it bring the drone down? Uh, you get some pretty powerful drones. Oh, I would yeah. have thought the action you would be, you wouldn't want to be catching a shark then, Jamie. You might Is get something too big. <laughs> you might get something too big, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have more storms though, Sab. So, yes. you know, obviously that one was pretty pretty significant um, across yeah. the southwest and, and Perth metro too. But, um, you know, probably a good time to start looking at things we can do to, to maybe restrict the, the damage or the problems we might have too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So if you've got a tree that's showing a lot of weight, you need to take some of that weight off. I keep telling myself that personally, but <laughs> <laughs> but 
I'm much harder to prune, Jamie, much it's harder. A, it's a little more difficult for us. <laughs> but um, so assess, you know, assess all the trees in your property. People overplant trees. It's a common thing in landscaping now. So where you would normally plant a tree according to its maximum width and height, landscapers are packing in three times as many because it looks really fantastic when it first goes in but of course it creates major problems down the track so trees that are overcrowded do not grow to their full strength and they're all starving for light so some will grow at an angle others will grow with very sparse leaf coverage or branches and that's going to make them highly susceptible to storm damage so do not overplant your trees. And if you have, you have to realise that if a storm rips through, then some of the weaker plants are going to go anyway. That's a so good point. Yeah. So it's, when when you sorry, you go. No, no, you go. No, you go. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. So when you when you're landscaping or maybe doing something new out the front or down the back, don't necessarily think about how it looks now, but maybe think what five years ahead, two five years ahead. Well, you need to think 10 years ahead, unless oh, wow. you're my age, and then you don't go past five years. You just go, oh, I think five years' time, that'll be a ripper. <laughs> um, uh, and it's amazing how many of my clients that I go and see when we're redoing their garden, <laughs> I'll say, what's the biggest tree you can put in? And I say, well, we can get one in a 1,000 litres, but we'll need a crane to put it in. That's okay. Bring wow. it in. Get it done. <laughs> Um, so that's something that people don't think about when they're redoing their garden or just going out and getting plants for their garden. If you overplant, the plants are not going to look their best. So, and it's expensive, you know, plants need a lot of care, so they they can be quite expensive. So rather than spend all that extra money on plants, they're going to either look half dead or 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 just will be sun-starved and look bloody shocking for the rest of their life and gradually die, plan your garden a little bit better. So think about, you know, your fruit trees. If you haven't got room, get dwarf or semi-dwarf fruit trees. If you want large shade trees, then remember the canopy of something like a poinciana is going to be 30 metres wide. So you wouldn't stick six of them in an area that's 10 metres long because none of them are going to grow well. So restraint, Jamie, I think is what I'm encouraging people to show. And a little bit of patience to let it do its thing. <laughs> exactly right. What a, it's a good um, idea to, to take photographic uh evidence of how your tree recovers over time that can be actually quite interesting yeah yeah document it's uh it's history there a little bit um what are kind of some of the trees um that you 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 recommend here in perth if you are going to look for something that will grow in time and be pretty significant where do you naturally gravitate to well, because West Australian species are so soil specific, you really need to understand what your soil type is. So on the coastal strip, um, all the agonis or the WA peppermints, 
they go really, really well. They're, they very rarely ever get storm damage because they move with the wind. Then you've got our hardwood eucalypts like the chewets, but that's a very, very large tree. So, you know, we're talking 35, 40 metres. Uh, we've got Jarrah and Mary, which are the iconic trees here. But on the coast, there's a beautiful tree called Eucalyptus Todtiana. And that, I've seen cyclones go through those and they don't even snap. So they're a beautiful, hardy tree. If you live up in the hills, then that's sort of Jaramari country because uh, they like the soil type. But wherever you live in Australia, really, really important to find out what your soil type is. Like most of the, none of our banksias you could grow over east because the soil's too heavy and many of our banksias just growing gutless, sandy soil. That's what they love. Yeah, right. They like to work for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've, they've evolved an entirely different root system where they can source the very few amounts of nutrients that are in our soils. And if you give them fertiliser, they usually die. Not a bad place to start, is it, if you're thinking about something at your place? Think about where it, where it thrives in its natural environment and does that match what you're trying to do? Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. And, of course, uses less resources, needs less water, less fertiliser, less mucking around, less pest and disease control. Once plants are stressed, they're very open to pest and disease issues. So it's a bit like us. The less stressed we are, uh, the healthier we are and the happier we are, James. Yeah, there you go. I like it. That's a good note to end on, I reckon, Sab. Um, I think so. Good to see you. Glad you survived the great storm of 2020. Um, yeah. And uh, a few good tips there, I reckon, uh, to keep everything tip-top despite the gusty conditions. Indeed it is, Jamie. Indeed it is. All right. Talk to you soon, mate. Catch up. Okay. Bye. 